from the NFL. If you're Dak Prescott, individual numbers aren't enough anymore. You want to get paid? Win something. To the NBA. Who gives a about the Pelicans if Zion don't play? Across the landscape of college football. There's no such thing as a good loss in the ACC. So if you're Clemson, you better win every game. And so much more. Let's talk some sports, baby. The stories you want. Baseball is back. Basketball is almost back. And football is on the way. You love to see it. The opinions you need. Sports is what this country needs. And I truly, truly believe that. Holla at your boy. It's Jay Wise. It's the drink. It's the beard. And it's the wisdom. I hope you brought pen and paper because class is in session. And Nathan Drinkard. Remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby. This is A Drink of Wisdom. Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom. Nathan Drinkard, I'm Jay Wise. Thanks for spending some of your time with us. We're on Anchor, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on so many other podcasting platforms. And if you're looking for us in the video format, you can find us at the A Drink of Wisdom YouTube channel. As always, great to be with you, Drink. Hey, man, I, you know, likewise, man, my brother from another mother, you know what time it is. You know, same day, different toilet. Hey, we out here to give the people what they want. Um, so as always, we see what they don't. Uh, we're going to say what they want. And last but not least, holla at your boy. Let's talk some sports, baby. Let's roll. Did you say same day, different toilet? Yep. <laughs> I had to clarify. I wasn't sure I heard. It. I'm so used to the normal. Almost two years right. in this. Almost two two years in this thing, you know, and I'm still surprised from time to time. Hey, you know, I couldn't say what I wanted to say, so you know, what I'm saying I gotta clean it up, <laughs> keep it G for the, you know, for the people, you know. So, you know, well, here I we, said it. I said here it. we go. Episode sixty-three: The Magic Hire Their Coach. Team USA struggles, and we take a look at the MLB All Star festivities. But we start back in the NBA Finals with the Milwaukee Bucks. One game three on Sunday night. They won by a score of 120 to 100 to get back uh, to a 2-1 series lead now for the Phoenix Suns. Giannis, the league, the reigning, or, or well, he was the reigning two-time MVP with another 40-point performance. He's now coming off back-to-back 40-point and 10-rebound performances. They got 18 from Middleton. Holiday poured in 21. Phoenix led by 19 from Chris Paul. DeAndre Ayton had 18 points, nine rebounds, but got saddled with foul trouble in the second half. And an off night from Devin Booker, just 10 points on three for 14 drink. Uh, the Bucks seem to, this is a third straight series. They've gotten down early, but they're starting to claw their way back and they look like a much different uh, team in game three. Do they continue this or do you think Phoenix takes complete control tonight? Listen, this is a tough one for you, boy. This is a tough one. But if you're going by logic that we we go by and in the most part we we use this we take the stars and we cancel the stars out and we focus on the role players and i think when you focus on the role players you got to pay homage to to what milwaukee does at home and and with that said like i told you before the show i'm torn in between the money is you know the if you want to make some money it's on the it's on the suns however I, I think the Bucks are going to win, and the reason I think the Bucks is going to win because some tells me Drew Holiday is going to come out here and score 20-plus points. And for my money, if he, score, if he scores 20-plus, Giannis give you 
the 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 normal thirty to forty, and if he give you anything over forty, you, hey, listen, Giannis on the next level. We got to start paying him more respect. But you get your third between your third and forty from Giannis. Um, Chris Middleton gonna drop you in between twenty five, uh, between twenty and twenty five, and, and then you know what Brook Lopez, and you, we know what the rest gonna do. Listen to me, and I said this on multiple occasions. This game come down to the big three of each team. Last game, listen, Devin Booker wasn't it. We seen it. Ten points, two assists. That ain't gonna cut it on the final stage. He got benched in the fourth quarter. Listen, it's a it's a lot of things going around. Did he get benched because he was just having a bad game? And Monty Williams seen his young star just not with it, or did he get benched just because it was a blowout? And he said, "Listen, I might as well I might as well rest him for game four. I don't know, but what I do know is this." He did, he did not play in the fourth quarter. He came out with, like, I want to say six minutes left or something in the third quarter. We didn't see him again. That, that, that's a little cause for uh, concern. Another thing, Chris Paul, like, like, I, like I told you, Scott Foster was in his head. I don't know. Those guys have had a long-going beef. I think Chris Paul is, like, over, like, I don't know, over something with, with, with um, Scott Foster refereeing his games. So whatever the, the relationship is between those two is in Chris Paul's head to to the fact of when he sees Scott Foster, you, you, you're not going to get a good game from Chris Paul. He feels like he get picked on by Scott Foster, this, that, and the third. In this game, and, and then DeAndre Aiden's foul trouble. Listen, let, let's not get it twisted. In the first half of that game, DeAndre Aiden was a beast. He just got caught up in foul trouble. Giannis turned it up and, you know, we know what Giannis is. Two-time MVP. You just said it twice. It, it, it was so nice. I got to say it twice. Two-time MVP. We know what Giannis bring, brings to the table. He got. He did. He got Aiden in, in foul trouble very fast. And for what it's worth, though, I thought Aiden still played a good game. He just couldn't stay on the court because of foul trouble. I say all that to say this. I think the Suns would be better in Game Four, but I think Milwaukee found something in Milwaukee. Now, when we get to game five and it goes back to Phoenix, it might be a different story. But right now in Milwaukee, I think um, Mike Budenholzer, I don't give him a lot of credit, but I give him credit for this. He he found something. Um, this whole Brooke Lopez, you know, Pat Connaughton mix and, and Bobby Porter's mix where he's kind of trying to fi figure out, he's just trying to figure out which three, you know, which of the three guys is the best for that individual game, not necessarily the series. I got to give him credit for that. He seemed to be getting a hang of that, and that seemed to be working. Whichever one of the three guys come in there and do what they do. Um, they got different strokes for different folks. We know what Brooke Lopez can do. We know what Bobby Porters do. And now we're starting to understand what Pat Connaughton does. Um, but, you know, with all that said, I, I just got to get an advantage to the Bucks, just because, like I said, I think Budenholzer is, is getting more comfortable in this series. Giannis is taking over this series that from the series. Listen, what we've seen in game three, I know we've been giving Chris Powell that love, but this was what Chris Powell was doing kind of to the Clippers at the end of that series in the Western Conference Finals, where he kind of just took it over. So it didn't really matter what the Clippers did because Chris Paul answered every single time. That's what I seen out of Giannis in game three. And here's the thing. 
I know people will say, well, Giannis scored 41, 40-some plus points in game two, and they still lost. Yes, this is a team game. If you don't know this is a team game, no. go ask Team USA. You know what? We're going to talk about that a little later. It's a teaser. But, <laughs> but, but this is a team game. Nobody does it by themselves. No one. Ask Kevin Durant. No one does it by themselves. We seen how he came up short when Kyrie got hurt and he had a one-legged Harden and his next best player was Jeff Green. Get a load of that. So nobody can do it by themselves. And this is what Giannis is showing. Giannis is saying this. Listen, I put on the Superman cape, but I do need somebody to come and be my Robin. You know what I'm saying? I need somebody to come with me. Yeah, I, I heard what um, Kendrick Perkins had to say, but hold up. You know, let me show you a little something. Now you got to put some respect on his name. So, um, to answer the question, I, I, the, I think the Bucks will win. I think they found something here in Milwaukee. Um, the Suns will regroup. We'll go to Game Five and we'll see what happens there. But I'm gonna take the Bucks. I just feel like Giannis is 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 like taking over the series with the way he's playing. He's controlling the series. Middleton is doing enough where we ain't on his head after every game. Drew Holiday shows up better at home. The facts are the facts. And like I said, Mike Budahosa, he's figuring out which one of those other three guys benefits him the most in crunch time and benefits him the most when they go down. If you notice, he kind of changes up. They go down by like 10, he, he tries to figure out where's the energy. He'll even bring in Giannis' brother, but that ain't going to go down that road. But... He, he finds out what's the energy, and he goes with that, no matter which one of those guys it is. I appreciate that, and but I do think the Suns will play better tonight, but I'm going to take the Bucks for the win. Yeah, um, I got to I gotta start where you left off with the whole team concept game but for the Bucks, because I've, I think I've been pretty consistent on how I feel about the Bucks in regards to what's going to what's going to be the deterrent factor to them to you know how far they go it's all about it's all about middleton and holiday for me because what you've seen is and the perfect example is if you look game, at games 2 and 3 Giannis was equally great in both games game 2 42 right. and 12 game 3 41 and 13 the difference is in game 2 Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton were a combined 12 for 37 that's not very good and in game two, they were 14 for 28. Much better. That's the difference. Right. When those guys, and I think particularly, particularly it's going to come down to Drew Holiday because when he's engaged and when he's running offense and when they got Giannis on the roll more and all of that, then I think that has a lot, I think that, you know, gives him more energy on the defensive end. Now he's doing what he does over there, which we know he's one of the best perimeter uh, defensive players in basketball. So that just raises the Bucks' level of play on both ends. So I think that, I think to me the key as we move forward is Drew Holiday, the third best player for Milwaukee, and is DeAndre Ayton, the third best player for Phoenix. Um, and you and you're absolutely right. Phoenix really the only reason the game was remotely close early was because DeAndre Ayton was putting in some really good work on the inside and making and doing some mid range things. You know, he's been a bit, he's been a big key, and I think. I think I don't know if you've noticed, but what I've seen when Aiton leaves the floor, Phoenix Phoenix is not the same team, and they're nowhere. They're way more perimeter oriented. When Aiton leaves the floor, it's just everybody just standing ahead and we're gonna, we're gonna jack up threes. So if if I'm if I'm Milwaukee, 
I really, I got to key in on that. And again, it falls back to um, Mike Budenholzer playing around with Brooke Lopez minutes. That's a, and that you, you right. He trimmed Brooke Lopez minutes some more in game three. Bobby Portis played a lot more. Portis played five minutes in game two, played 18 in game three. Connington's playing, Connington's playing 30 plus minutes. That's a big deal because he's giving them a lot of energy too. But those two guys, when they play, Milwaukee's a better team. It's just, to me, it's a, it's a bad matchup for Brooke Lopez because DeAndre Ayton is a guy who can bang and he's going to rebound. He's going to do work inside. And Brooke Lopez, Brooke Lopez can play inside, but just what has happened to him later in his career, he's just a guy who looks to me like he just, he, he's comfortable just standing out there and launching threes. So I think Budenholzer, I think he's doing better in that regard. He's mixing and matching a little bit better. And we know like, I mean, this whole five minutes for Bobby Porter staying ridiculous. This dude's got to play because he brings a different level of energy. You know, he does. So, you know, and plus what we've seen from Giannis in the past two games, this dude's, this dude's the best player in this series. It's not close. You know, Dev, to me, Devin Booker and Chris Paul, I mean, Devin Booker, he can go ballistic every now and again. But, I mean, I, all in all, Giannis is the best player in this series. He's going to do it at both ends. And the way Milwaukee plays, and especially the way they play at home, I think they're going to win this game tonight, and it's going to come down to the best of three. It's going to be about the same way that um, they looked, that they was looking at in Brooklyn after they got down 2-0. And I think another thing to go back to that point, I, I was absolutely disgusted with Milwaukee after that game two loss when they lost by what, 30, 40 or whatever. I said they were soft. They didn't have any mental toughness. Well, they've, they've proven that they have some mental toughness because this, this is the third straight series. They've gotten down. They've had to play from behind. So they're doing that. They got to continue to do it. I think they will continue. They play, they're a different team at home. It's just going to come down to me. Can they steal one on the road? To me, with Giannis playing at this level and the free throw shooting looking a little bit better, looking a little bit better, getting a little bit more comfortable, that's a big deal. Um, so, I mean, I think I think Milwaukee's in a good position. They're starting to figure things out a little bit more. They've done a good job of adjusting. Mike Boonehoser, pretty decent job adjusting. Um, so what, it's kind of, to me, it's, it's going to be on Monty Williams now. What is Monty Williams able to create? Uh, in terms of adjustments and what can they do. I'm, but I'm, I am going to tell you, the one thing I would be most concerned about if I'm Phoenix is this bench just this bench just ain't impressive. Without the service, I mean, when you throw Sarge out of there, and I know that, that may not seem like a huge deal, but now that they ain't got Sarge, it's really, to me, it's Cam Johnson. He come in here and he's been playing very well. But Cameron Payne, he's kind of been a no-show in this series. He's not doing too much. And we're in the territory now and I know to, no disrespect to Tory Craig, he can play, but we in the Frank Kaminsky territory. That's trouble. That's trouble, which means that's why DeAndre Ayton is critical that he stays on the floor. If I'm Mike Budenholzer, I would make it a point to attack him over and over, try to get him in foul trouble again, because when he doesn't play, Milwaukee has a distinct advantage on the inside, just like they did, just like they've had in the past two series. If eight, So that's the keys for me. Drew Holiday, how he plays, and DeAndre Ayton, whether or not he can stay on the floor. If he can't stay on the floor, it's going to be tough for Phoenix to hold on in this series. Oh, oh yeah. So, now we're going to stay in the NBA. We're going to move on to something a little more interesting. Did I say interesting? I mean, oh, new coach alert. You know what time it is. That's right, folks. The Orlando Magic, then funked them a coach. I can't believe it either. And Jamal Mosley. 
and the Pelicans, it seems like they went a whole different route as well with their new coach, Willie Green. Both of these gentlemen, long-time assistants, um, finally getting their shot at the big time. Um, both of them happen to be African-American, if people want to know that. That's out there as well. Um, you know, the Magic being a franchise that haven't won much. So, you know, Jamal Mosley, <laughs> shots out to you. And then the Pelicans being a team that, you know, we didn't, we didn't talk about a lot on the show. Um, when will they hit their stride with Zion and Brandon Ingram? So, with that said, Jay, my question to you is, which team got the better new coach? Is it the Magic or the Pelicans? Oh, that's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a tough one. Uh, first, you know, before I even bother with the question, I gotta thank you from the bottom of my heart for telling me uh, the race of the two coaches. You know how much I'm a fan of that. I really like to you know, get in the weeds on race, so thank you. Okay. Uh, but I, you know, if, if I had to I, pick, you know, <laughs> if I had to pick, <laughs> if I had to pick the better coach, and these are both first time head coaches. I'm probably going to give Mosley the edge because just of his experience. He got he got um he got about he got 15 years of NBA coaching experience. He started out with the Nuggets uh, when he was 27 as a as an assistant, and now at the age of 42, he, you know he's been four years with the Nuggets, four years in Cleveland, and now seven with Dallas. Had a really good relationship with uh, Luka Doncic, so um. You know, I, I lean towards him as opposed to Willie Green. Willie Green, you know, surprisingly, this guy, he only been an assistant for three years. Now, he did have, he did have a 12-year NBA career, and we're, I think we're seeing a trend of more and more players get hired super quick, you know, almost as soon as they, oh, you done playing? Okay, come on in, Coach Steve Nash. So we have that going on. Now, that's the now Jason that, Kidd, Derek Fisher effect. Jason Kidd, yeah, right, Derek Fisher. I almost forgot about Derek Fisher. Yeah, that next stuff was rough, but uh, you know, but even but even so, like, even though I think Jamal Mosley might be, my that's what I think he looked like he might be the better coach right now. We don't know; he's first time head coaches. But I tell you, man, this it's rough because you talk about a rebuild. He better the first call he should have made after he signed the contract was to a construction crew, because there's a oh, there's a lot to do, man. There's a lot to do. This, have you have you seen this roster? This is and this this wait, 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 wait. So are you saying he out here handing out hard hats? Can't cross this line without a hard hat. Is that what no, you're saying? Every matter of fact, they should practice with hard hats on. That's what they should do. Get a hard hat, <laughs> strap it on, and let's go to work, man. This cause this and you know, there's actually some there's some names on this roster, but like then you look at guys like Otto Porter making like $28 million. And you're like, well, this don't fit at all. They couldn't move. I mean, they can't, they can't move this guy. This dude over here with that lemon contract. Gary Harris, he was a throw in in the Aaron Gordon thing. This team, this team traded away Evan Fournier, who I'm, I don't even know why I started with him, but him, Vucevic yeah, and about, Aaron Gordon, three of the guys who, you know, have kind of been, they've been on the magic for several years. They've been kind of treading water. Like they'll make the playoffs in the seven, eight seed and they won't do nothing, but they completely abandoned it. It's, it's probably about time. They try to start it up again, but this is going to be, this is going to be a tough job. Now the good thing about it is the expectations are probably on the floor. So all you got to do is be able to pick your feet up and you probably can uh, surpass them. But, uh, you know, it's it is an opportunity, and if you have success down here, you're gonna get a lot of credit because there ain't much going on there right now. I mean, the guy I'm looking at, who, you know, I'm looking. I mean, Terrence Ross. That's kind of to me the most 
the most guy with some name value. Jonathan. They still Isaac. got Mokel. They still got Mokel Folks, right? No Mokel Folks. I think he's. I think he's somewhere on. Yeah, he's there. He's. Oh. He's been kind of look like he showed some flashes. He looked better than he did in Philly. Mo Bamba is still out here. Cole Anthony. They drafted last year. They hopefully they got some picks. I, I reckon. I guess they got some picks. They're gonna have to use these picks. But Willie Green. Willie Green. If you um. And the Willie Green news, I don't think that's official yet. That just all indications that we're seeing seem to be leading us to Willie Green. Uh, he go, you know, he, if he gets hired, he'll be the third uh, youngest head coach in the league behind uh, OKC's Mark uh, Dagenault and uh, Taylor Jenkins, uh, for what that's worth. But um, you know, maybe maybe there is something to, to some youth because they did they had um, Zion in his first two years. He said, you know, two of the more uh, older coaches in the league and Alvin Gentry and Stan Van Gundy. Van Gundy and uh, David Griffin, we talked about they, you know, they couldn't get it together and see eye to eye. So uh, maybe one thing they was looking at was to get a guy in there younger who can, you know, relate to these young players that they have, particularly Zion, particularly Brandon Ingram. And we know how important that is with your the, the relationship between your star players and your coach. You know, the star players run the NBA. That's how it is. Um, but we just, you know, there's a lot of unknowns. You know, David, I think, as, as much as Willie Green, there's no doubt, Willie Green got the two building blocks. Jamal Mosley's just out here. He's looking for blocks, period, to build with. But it's going to be, to me, it's going to be about David Griffin. He's going he's gonna to have a big impact on if Willie Green going to be successful or not. Because he got to, as I've said before, David Griffin, he got to spend some time, you know, look himself in the mirror, stop pulling this old Eric Bliss, old Lonzo Ball crap that just, it looked like a racket from the start. And then you gotta hit, you gotta place a premium on shooters. That's one thing that Philadelphia learned this year. They got some more shooters, that, and that's kind of how they unlocked the full potential until they, you know, we know it didn't finish quite the way they wanted to, but they looked like they were more capable of doing big things. So, you know, for me, when I look at New Orleans, I'm gonna be looking more at David Griffin than Willie Green, and then Orlando. I, I don't even know if I'm gonna be able to look at to him, but I do wish this guy Jamal Mosley the absolute best of luck. That's gonna be a tough job. All right, so I'm, I want to start off with a point you made about the youth. The youth. Um, I beat this drum in the NFL and the NBA. Um, I said this on multiple shows. Um, I think it's kind of overrated how teams say, "Oh, you need the season, experience, veteran." I'm not saying they're like. All of them are overrated. But I think in certain situations, the seasoned veteran coach ain't the answer. Um, and I think in this in this series, and I'm speaking about the Pelicans right now, I think the Pelicans going to get green is a move I like, a move I would have voted for, a move I would have been for. Because sometimes you got to talk to these young fellas' language. It's, that's just what it is. Like, you come in here with that, I used to coach Dwight Howard, and we made it to the finals. I don't give a rip. I don't give a rip about that. Like, so, did y'all win? No, I don't care. Like, okay, whatever. You got, you know, Alvin Gentry. I think Alvin Gentry was, he's like one of them guys. I don't think he was, him or Stan Van Gunner Gunner for this fact. I don't think Alvin Gentry was a bad coach, but once again, He's coming here with this dusty resume, and he coming here with these artifacts, and Zion is like, okay, what else you got for me? Brandon Ingram is like, cool. I'm glad to hear that, coach. What, what else you got for me? 
So I, I like that you go with these young guys that can speak the language. And what I mean by speak the language, I'm not saying it's a different language to be said, but they know certain things. Think about these young guys. A lot of them like to play video games. Let me, let me break this down a little bit. A lot of these young fellas like to play video games. Either they play video games, a lot of them just be in the gym shooting around. You need a coach that can kind of relate to that, to be honest with you. It, you don't, it ain't a lot of sports that got the Nick Savings out here where the dude like 70 and somehow these 18 and 19-year-olds still love him to death. You ain't got a lot of situations like that, right? That's what make college a little more unique than the professionals, but that's another topic for another day. But sometimes you got to sit down with these young fellas and, you know, what, what did you, you like to do? Like, don't worry about basketball. Let me get to know you, Zion, as the person. Brandon Ingram as the person. Come on down. Let's sit down. Let's talk about it. Then let's get into some hoops. Let's do this. Let's do that. And then the fact of having a younger coach should help with the communication with David Griffin, like you said. You go up there, you say, hey, I, I sat down with these guys. This is what I think about this guy. This is what I think about this guy. I think if we can make a trade for this, if we can trade this guy for this, that, and third, we, we might not be like Western Conference Finals contenders, but we'll at least make the, the playoffs. We'll at least make the play-in tournament. I mean, the ceiling ain't that high right now. Or, or, or should I say, the line ain't that high right now. Listen, right now, as a Pelicans fan, you... You just want to make it the playoffs. You just want to make the playoffs. Can we make the playoffs in the Zion Williamson era? Can we do that? So I think of the two jobs, Willie Green has the better of the job. I, I do think so. But I, I'm going to take Jamal Mosley for, for the, better, the better coach for the reason that you, you rolled out. He has an extensive resume. He's been waiting a, a long time for this opportunity. Now he gets it. Now my problem with him is he going down to Death Valley. It ain't talking LSU. Um, Siberia, um, Guantanamo Bay, um, Fort Leavenworth. I don't, whatever you want to call it down there, that is what the Orlando Magic is. You usually go down there to, uh, for your career to die. Let's be real. You heard what I said about Stan Van Gundy earlier. This team ain't been good since Stan Van Gundy was there. I'm just saying. Now, Jamal Mosley, can you go down there and make some shape? Hey, listen, we're going to give you a little salt. We're going to give you a little potato, but we need a full-course meal out of that. You figure it out because that's what's going to happen here. Um, now, can he do that? I do think he got some parts on that team. Once again, expectation. That's the word I couldn't get out earlier. The expectation for the Magic ain't that high. It's not that high. For them, it's probably a play-in tournament. Can we make it to the play-in tournament? Can we play in the play-in tournament? I mean, we want people to come and watch us play for something other than the bubble. Can we Can we do something here? So, I'll I, I be honest, Jamal Mosley work is pretty cut out for him. But if he can turn this around being a new coach, um, you know, new, shall I say, African-American coach, um, you know, if he could turn this around, this is this is buckets. This is what you want. And I think he could make it happen. Now, listen, <laughs> what they say, Rome wasn't built in a day. This ain't going to happen in one season. But what can happen in one season is progression, strides, 
something to build upon that can happen. And for both of these guys, that is what we're looking for. I, we're not asking for the Pelicans to be in the Western Conference Finals. We're not asking for the Magic to be in the Western Conference Finals. I mean, the Eastern Conference Finals. We're just asking for them to be watchable at this point. Because right now, if both teams played each other, me nor you nor half of ESPN or TNT going to watch that mess. We ain't watching. And you know I ain't lying. So with that said, I, I um, to answer the question, like I said, I think Jamal Mosley is the better new coach. I just think that um, Willie Green is going into the better situation of the two. All right, we now we'll stay in the sport of basketball. We'll now move to the uh, to Team USA men's hoops, where uh, exhibition matches have gotten underway, and uh, the USA is off to a, a bit of a false start. They dropped their first two games. Game one, they lost to Nigeria, nine to eighty-seven, and then two days later, on the twelfth, they lost to Australia, ninety-one eighty-three. But yesterday, they were able to break into the win column against the uh, Argentinians, led by I think they were led by the uh, the forty-one-year-old Luis Scola. Uh, but Drake, uh, even though they won yesterday, still not the the best of starts. That's not what a, that's not quite what I would call American exceptionalism. Um, what's your reaction to this uh, bit of a slow start, and how do you think they correct it? Who they lost to in game one? They lost to Nigeria. And who they lost to in game two? And uh, Australia. Uh, you, just um, go reference, you just go reference a map to see where Nigeria was? No, no. Um, I actually <laughs> went to reference their roster and see what that roster was. Look, here's the deal. Um, I don't... Listen, ask yourself this, right? What do you think England, like, you know, the country England, how would they feel about their soccer team or their football team if you're over there? if they lost to the USA soccer team? Like, how, how do you think that comes over in the country of England? I don't think it's going over too well. Let me ask you this. What if they lost to, let's say, USA and Canada? How, you, how would you think that would go? It's, it's probably going to be bad. So I asked you that to say, and then we, and then they say England goes and beat Norway, and then everything is good, I guess. Anyway, so the reason I bring that up is I'm, I'm hearing a lot of, you know, we overreacting. We overreacting. It's, these are just exhibition games. This is not – the Olympics haven't even started yet. Why do we care? <laughs> Nigeria? Australia? <laughs> yeah. Why do we care? What? Yeah. This is Team F in USA. What? Men's basketball? Let me tell you something. I shouldn't have to watch one game, and I should know we won every game. That's just the way it is. I don't want to hear nothing about these are the best players in the world. I know. And we have the best players in the world. No, no doubt. Literally. We have the best players in the world. This I'm not making this up. I'm, we have the best players in the world. You cannot find me another Kevin Durant or another team in the world. Find me another Kevin Durant. 
God dog it. You can't find me one. So you got to ask yourself, if that's the case, then what's the problem? I'm going to tell you the bleeping problem. It's this AAU basketball crap we got going on in, in, in America. That's what it is. You, because AAU teaches players, listen, it's all right to play team ball, but when those lights come on, you got to do what you got to do to get to the next level. So mm. we're going to do a lot of pick and roll, and we're going to do a lot of dive and dash. We're going to drive and just pass it to the guy that's open. We're not going to really do the fundamentals thing where the point guard brings the ball down. He looks, he uses vision, he see what's going on, he call a play, he see which is a better option, might ask for a pick or two, and get the ball to the right spot. Oh, you know, only, you know, Nigeria doing that. <laughs> and Australia doing that. Yeah. I mean, I watched, I watched the Australian game because I was so disgusting from the Nigerian game. And I look, and we got players that don't even remember how to cut to the basket anymore. <laughs> we got players. Kevin Durant has the ball in his hand at the three-point line. You see Draymond Green, Damian Leonard, and some dude I ain't never heard of out of college over here just staring at Kevin Durant like this the All-Star weekend. They literally over here looking... I was like, hey, I guess Draymond Green about to pull his camera out and get a picture. Like, because they looking at him so hard. I, I, you know what I'm saying? What's going on? This a, I, sometimes I feel like the hunger for Team USA men's basketball is not there. And it hasn't been there since, probably since, like, COVID was playing. Like, I think... That, that the 2018 was hungry. Now, don't get me wrong. I know the teams after that won gold. I'm not, I'm not saying they would, but I felt like they won gold just for the, the same fact of what we're seeing now. They're just better than everybody. We could play whenever we feel like it. But it's been a while since we've seen a Team USA team that goes over there, uh, where goes to the Olympics and just say, listen, we finna rip the throat out of everybody and get back on this jet and get up out of here. I just don't feel like we have that anymore. And AAU basketball has made it like that. If you're the best player, guess what? We're going to keep the ball in your hand no matter what. Fundamentals, just shoot the ball. You can shoot. You seven foot. What are you worried about passing the ball for? Shoot it. And now what Team USA does now is we when, when, when the rubber meets the road and everything is not clicking, we just play one-on-one -on -one ball. Give me the ball. Clear it up. Clear it up. Clear it up. Let's roll. And then when you miss that shot, the other team on a, like a full break because everybody's still standing around. It's fine. It's hey, it ain't for the gold. It ain't for the you know the medals. So why does it matter? I feel like any American that loves their their team, that loves our team, that knows basketball, you if you watch the way our guys are playing and you just like, I don't see the big deal. Man, you sadly mistaken. Because this show, this is starting to show, one, the gap is very, very closer than we thought it was. So for anybody that thought there was this major gap in between the U.S. and the rest, it's not. And then two, it just shows you the lack of fundamentals that Americans play with. It's all about athleticism and talent. It's not about the fundamentals no more. If I'm lying, go back and look at the Nigerian game. Go back and look at the Australia game. 
Look at those games and look how both of those teams are playing against the U.S. Oh, did I say both of those teams? Both of those teams are playing in the paint against the U.S. because we don't even got a rim protector because we thought it was smart enough to just go down here with small ball. We're going to take Bam out of bio and some dude out of college we ain't even heard of, and they're going to play the five, and we're going to go against these teams, and that's what's going to happen. Okay. Somebody tell me how that worked out in the first three games. Now we got two more games to, to you know, get our stuff together. And the, the last point I'm going to make through all of this is this. What I did like from Team USA in the last game against Argentina, they starting to adjust a little bit more. And the fact that I seen players cutting to the basket, the fact that the assist numbers are getting better, the fact that I'm starting to see teams, I'm starting to see players not just shoot the ball as soon as they touch it. They're actually trying to make plays. They gave me some feelings of encouragement. The problem is I need to see these last two games to make sure it's going to be consistent because you know how we do. <laughs> you know, we'll yeah. give you one good game, and then we'll fall flat the next one. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's just a little American spice on there. You know how we get down. So with that said, I do think we can adjust to play better. I don't think this is like a permanent problem. We just got to get back to some fundamentals, cutting to the basket. Letting the play develop. Actually running a damn play or two. Like, you know, and I don't know if it's because Granddaddy Pop, I mean, Coach Popovich, I'm sorry. I don't know if it's because, you know, Coach Pop, you know, not, I, I don't know what exactly he's doing. Um, The fact that he let them construct a roster like this without a true five is outrageous. I don't even know how he let that fly. But, I mean, whatever it is going on with Team USA, we have to play better fundamentals. We have to take the rest of the world more serious. And once we do that, we will be just fine. We'll go back to killer instinct and we'll get we'll get people up out of here. But right now, I'm a little concerned with the loosey goosey, laughy taffy um way of playing that we got right now. The razzle dazzle, the drippy drip. They they we worry about the wrong thing. We gotta get on the same page. We gotta get that continuity up. And then I think we'll be fine after that. Yeah, I don't uh, since since they got back on the right track against Argentina, maybe it is a good idea not to go too crazy over this. But I mean, it's still Nigeria and it's still Australia. And we still have, oh, I don't know, Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, Jason Tatum, Bam Adebayo, Bradley Beal, you know, I. And then, you know, I'm looking at these other teams and I'm su- I'm actually surprised. Like I look at Nigeria's roster, there's a handful of NBA guys on here, but they ain't not right. one all-star. I mean, I, Josh, Josh Okigi, Precious Achua, Gabe Vincent, Epi Udo was an NBA player. You know, there, there ain't nothing, there's nothing overly impressive to where we need to get in, into excuse mode and just start making excuses for all these dudes. Oh, where well, they just started playing together and you know, this dude, he had a ingrown toenail and this dude, you know, he having some adverse reaction to uh, the COVID vaccine or whatever anybody wants to just make up to just excuse the fact that we over here holding L's to countries that ain't got no business even being in the same gym as us. You know, this is ridiculous. Like I, some of these teams, like I'm looking at, you know, 
Look, I understand. Australia, they got some dude. They got Joe Ingles. They got Aaron Baines, Patty Mills, Della Vadova with his uh, oxygen tank, Dante Exum, and they got Matisse Thibault. You a big Thibault fan. You, and I still I feel like Thibault, no? I was just killing the Orlando Magic in the previous segment. The Orlando Magic should be able to go out there and handle business against these teams. That's a, that's what I'm looking at. This this one of the things like when you talk about the Olympics and the, the, these aren't the Olympics yet, but this is kind of like the dress rehearsal for the Olympics. Have some pride, have some pride in the country. This is what we do when we talk about international competition. We come out here and we kick rear end. This, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, the mindset that, oh, well, it's not that big a deal. Well, when China is, it? when China runs the world, it won't be because of basketball, but this is just another example of something that we over here getting lax and soft about as a, well, it's not a big deal. I'd rather sit over here and talk about, you know, which bathroom I'd like to use today. Cut this crap out. You know, so, and I think, you know, the Greg Popovich point, we kind of brought it up just a little bit, you know, in the, in the break there. You know, I, Greg Popovich ain't done much recently. You know, the last few years it's starting to get a little stale. They ain't got, you know, Aldridge and DeRozan. This ain't, this ain't it. And I just, I just want to like, is Greg Popovich now getting in that Stan Van Gundy range to where, I mean, the guys had a, a Hall of Fame NBA career. You know, you could make an argument, Greg Popovich, perhaps the greatest NBA coach at all time. I'm going Phil Jackson. That's just me. But Greg Popovich is up there, you know, up there with anybody else. And, you know, there's a, there's a debate, I think. There's a case you can make. But I think at some point it's just time. And I think, you know, with the, at the age of Greg Popovich and, you know, you only, you know, these, these, are, these NBA players, they stay the same age. You know, they don't get older with you. Shaq and D- Duncan and Ginobili and uh, Parker, they ain't out there with you and they wouldn't be anywhere because they'd be with their own, their own countries. You know, they, the, Popovich ran that in a, in a he, was the, he was the first coach that went international. So I just, you know, I don't want to get too carried away because they got on the right track yesterday. You know, I can only imagine that they continue that. And, you know, that sometimes this happens when you bring a bunch of guys together, you know, they're a little rusty. They've been kind of in that taking some time off, rest up. And then they, these are guys that don't play together during the regular season. So they got to figure that out. But they, they have, there's such a talent gap between what the USA has and the rest of these countries, especially these countries we're looking at right now. I mean, Nigeria, come on, stop that they should still be at whatever like troubles they have. And they kind of, you know, a little miscommunication here, you know, somebody doesn't set a pick here or you, you miss, you, you don't communicate on defense. You're giving up a layup. They got, there's such a huge talent advantage. So I just, I can't buy into all the excuses, but uh, you know, they missing Middleton right now and holiday for the finals. So maybe I feel like there's other people they missing. Cause some of these names on this team are just like, who are these people? And by the way, this, <laughs> I do think that there is some value when you look at, you know, the big fellas that they have. They don't, I mean, Bam's a, Bam out of bio is a modern NBA five, but outside of that, I'm not like, where are the fours at? Like, you know, I guess Draymond's playing four. And then outside of that, like, what is Jeremy Grant even doing on this team? What is, what is this? But I'm just looking I mean, at he like had a pretty, he had a pretty good season for the Pistons. But remember the but remember the whole the, I know you remember the whole Kevin Love thing like oh Kevin Love this ain't real like he just 
Right. Like this, the token white dude on the team. So I get the point where, man, they should have put DeAndre Ayton on this team. Yes, they should have. They should have brought both DeAndre Ayton and Kevin Love because this team ain't got a lick of size. They got no, they got no size. So I gotta, I gotta imagine that. I don't know. Maybe that's gonna hurt you in the rebounding game. That still matters to win games, you know. In the, but in the end, like, let's give them some more time. This, these are the exhibition games. But I swear, they come out here flopping around in the Olympics, the actual Olympics. We're gonna have a problem, and you're gonna hear from us again on this. All right, moving on to the MLB. This weekend, we had the MLB All-Star festivities, basically the home run derby and the All-Star game. And in, in the home run derby, the winner was Pete Alonzo, you know, only the third player to win it back-to-back since Griffin in 98 and 99, and um, Caceres in 13 and 14. So that's, you know, that's an impressive feat for those who, who give a rip. And then we had the All-Star game itself, which... I need to start putting my money on the AL because I think they win this a lot more than the NL. Uh, they won the game five to two um, with my with, with with the most talked about guy in the game right now, MLB Otania Otani as the winning pitcher. Um, and I guess they gave the loss to Burns, which um, they probably Corbin suck because he. Okay, so they 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 served him up the loss and then they gave Hendricks the save. But the MVP of the game was Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yes, that name probably sounds familiar to you. You probably knew his pops out here doing what he did. Oh, by the way, back to my point with the AL. The AL has won eight straight All-Star games, so I know I wasn't tripping. Um, so with that said, Jay, <laughs> what was the most exciting part of MLB All-Star Weekend 2021? Well, you know, uh, you know me, you know, I'm a I'm a baseball guy, but uh, in the grand scheme of things in the sports landscape in general, I am not an all star guy or a pro bowl guy. I, I generally just doesn't mean a whole lot to me because there's really no competitive use to these events. The NBA all star game front and center. But the actual you know, I, I do care for the the events of NBA all star weekend uh, with the three point shootout and the slam dunk contest and these type of things. The skills challenge. I think that's something innovative. I like what they got that in there. Now I even almost, I like the celebrity game. I find that a little bit more entertaining than the, the actual, actual game where, you know, you look at the scoreboard and look, Oh, this team won 185 to 172. Well, that sounds, that sounds realistic. So, but just on that scheme, just on that train of thought, I mean, I, I find the, I find the home run derby, Pretty compelling. It's it's entertaining. And uh, the format that they did, they changed it up a few years ago, you know, to where it's now a time thing. It, it used to be, um, you know, you got you get 10 pitches, you hit a home run, the pitch doesn't count, so you keep hitting. But the, like, 10 pitches that you don't jack out of the park, you know, you, you're out of luck. I think the, the time makes it a little more, it gives it a little more drama. Now you got guys, you know, the, the Shohei Otani, Juan Soto first round matchup was really compelling. And now you got the time limit where P. Alonzo hits 35 home runs out the park in three minutes, which seems seems pretty ridiculous. I know they're in there. He's not. It's not real pitching. You know, they're just laying them in there for him. But that's impressive. Also, not. I mean, I kind of in in some ways expected this or expected some big numbers because it's Coors Field and Coors Field. The ball just flies out the yard with that uh, that that altitude that they have in there. Um, so. That certainly made for some entertainment. Um, 
It also had, you know, I, I expected, I kind of expected the the top seed Otani to meet up with Joey Gallo, the the, the big man from Texas. And uh, those guys both got eliminated in the first round. So that was kind of interesting to see. And then you ended up having, you know, a guy, Pete Alonso, kind of like, felt like a little bit of an afterthought. I don't, I don't feel like many people were talking about him. And he, of course, he walks in here and now he's the back-to-back, you know, uh, home run derby champion. Um, his, his last title being in 2019, because we know last year you had COVID. They didn't have any of the all-star game stuff. So it is the back-to-back. But even though they separate by years, we're still getting back-to-back. Uh, and then also don't don't uh, don't um, don't forget about the runner up, the Oreo slugger Trey Mancini a, a year last year. You know, he was uh, dealing with uh, colon cancer, I believe it was. And now he's doing well. And in the, the final round of home run derby. So I think that's something that should be celebrated. Uh, so the home run derby, I always I think it, the, the the re the format that they redid, I think is a lot better than that. that that's always a pretty good event. The all-star game, you know, it's just the all-star game. As usual, you had a bunch of guys, you know, you Jacob DeGrom's not there due to, uh, I don't know, he might have pitched or he might be dealing with an arm issue. You know, Mike Trout not in the game but due to injury. Uh, the Astros has several guys that, um, you know, they're dealing with uh, one thing or the, or the other. So you have all those things going on. So some of these guys that you, you wind up actually seeing in the game, you're like, I don't even, why, why are you even in this? You, you didn't get, nobody voted for you. Nobody voted for you, but, but you know, overall, I, you know, I did look in, I didn't watch this incredibly closely, but some of the things I did know is that, uh, that Vladimir Guerrero home run was a mammoth shot. It's about 470 feet in the third, uh, Mike Zanino in the sixth. This is a guy who, uh, you know, I don't think, I don't look at him as one of the better catchers in the league, but he's definitely one of the most powerful, you know, anytime a guy hits a no doubt shot, the opposite field, that's pretty impressive. And then also, you know, one thing I noticed, um, I saw Brandon Crawford, one of the best shortstops um, in the game, having a tremendous season. Uh, he made an error, which doesn't happen. He uh, booted a ground ball right in the middle of the field. I think it allowed a run to score, so that was kind of surprising. Yeah, just overall, the American League, and they actually showed some numbers on this last night. It's kind of the all-star game is like Canaan Waves, where early on, I think the American League dominated. And then the National League had like a 40-year stretch where they won like 30 out of 40. And now it's back to the American League. It comes in waves for some reason. It's kind of weird. Um, but being especially that the, the baseball kind of, they went away from um, the All-Star game determining home field for the World Series. I mean, it, it just, it goes back to any other All-Star game. It has it has very little competitive value, even though I think it, it kind of, it replicates a normal baseball game more than um, the Pro Bowl or the NBA All-Star game do. Um, but in the end, doesn't really get me excited, but the home run derby, uh, that's pretty good television, pretty good entertainment. Yeah, man, I, I get, I got to agree with you. I think the most exciting part of this whole weekend was for me was to, to get an all-star event with fans again. Because um, you think about it, we, we got the um, all-star game in the NBA. It didn't have fans. And you, and you see how we felt about that, which is why, why are you doing it if it's not for the fans? But whatever. Um and then, you know, last year, everything was jacked up. So um, to, to get this event um, going down in the cool field, um, you know, I, I, I was excited to see the juices form from the all, I mean, from the home run derby, to see fans there ready to get them old ball, to, you know, jam-packed, loud, you know, fans enjoying themselves. You know, 
I know we're a sports show, but you know we we dibble and we dab into like other stuff and you know other arenas, what what might have you. And, and so doing this show, and I guess you rubbing off on me, I tend to start looking at stuff out kind of outside of sports, but it still impacts sports. And I was looking at the crowd. I was looking at the players. I mean, you you can see the true like excitement and you know just like for these guys to be hitting these balls, you know, in front of fans again, Paul. So, like, what I mean by that is, I know fans are back for the regular season games, but for a lot of these players, just like you said, um, the, <clears throat> all right, boom, I had to clip my throat. Pete Alonzo, for example, he won the, the home run derby the last time Cross was here, right? Then you take a break, then he comes back this year and he wins again with the crowd. That matters. I know a lot of people saying, why does the crowd matter? Just play the game. That's what you're supposed to be focused on. I don't give a rip what nobody's talking about. I just watched this Conor McGregor fight in Las Vegas this weekend. And let me tell you something. It was electric in that piece to have a full crowd in Las Vegas again. Fans matter. The experience is bigger when you got people there. And I think... That did wonders for the home, the excitement of the home run derby, and it did wonders for the excitement of the All Star game, right? I mean, you got these players, um, Otani. You know, he's been a big deal. You know, he's out here, he's doing his thing. Um, you know, maybe Stephen A. Smith might not agree, but I mean, that's you got to talk to him about that. But you know, all this excitement is good for the MLB, right? We talk about. America's pastime. We talk about how it's a dying sport and and all that. Well, this weekend, if you was an MLB fan, you didn't feel like it was a dying sport this weekend. You felt like the sport was alive and well. Um, and I ain't mad at that. So if you know, like I said, the you know, I'm not the biggest fan of the All Star Game. I do like the Home Run Derby though. I, I I'm not gonna lie, I like that. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of the All Star Game in in baseball. But what I was a big fan was the excitement, how it brought all these people together, and all they cared about was what, what was going on on the diamond. Not what was going on in the streets. What was going on in the diamond. So I was excited for that. I was happy to see it, because you know what that means. Come here in a couple of months or so, we're going to get crowds for other sports. And you know what I'm talking about. So with that said, I was just excited to see the energy. The, the, you know, the excitement around the venue the whole weekend. So, you know, hats off to the MLB. Y'all know what time it is. It's rapid reactions. A whole lot of topics. A little bit of time. Jake, the floor is yours. All right. Kawhi Leonard had successful surgery on Tuesday to repair his partially torn ACL in his right knee. Of course, the bigger story is his future and where he plays next year to that player option. Drink, is Kawhi going to be a Clipper next year or, he's going, or is he going to play somewhere else? I, I, I got a strong feeling he'll be a Clipper. Here's the deal. Um, Kawhi's from Cali. He's in L.A. He got the richest owner that didn't let him do whatever the hell he wanted to do since he's been a Clipper. And now you're going to wait till a season that you have a knee surgery to try to, you know, roll off to somebody else. I don't think it gets no better for Kawhi Leonard than it is in L.A. So I, I foresee him wearing a Clippers uniform next next year. Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred said Las Vegas is a viable location for the athletics if the team wind up leaving Oakland. Would you like to see the A's in Vegas? 
No, I wouldn't mind it. Uh, I'm more, I just like to see him out of Oakland, period. Uh, that stadium is just, it, it, it is an eyesore. Um, I, I got to be honest with you. You know, you know, look, listen, the Raiders, they hopped on over to Vegas. The Warriors, they like went across the river or whatever. So um, I think Oakland, I know it's going to be tough for the city, but um, I think my, just get, get the sports franchises out of there. It's, it's time to move. Get them, get them in Vegas. ESPN 300 recruit Jalen Sneed is committed to Notre Dame. That's significant because it gives the Irish 10 ESPN top 300 recruits, and that's second only to the Ohio State. Does that impress you, Drink? I mean, yeah. I mean, listen, here's the deal. In, in Notre Dame, they have more, um, what can I say, more expectations. They have, you know, they're more restricted. They have a lot of, lot of um, you know, uh, criteria, is, I think is the word I'm trying to find, that usually hold a lot of players out. I think it's impressive. But the thing is, that's cool now, but by the time we get to December, I don't think it's going to look like that from the Notre Dame standpoint. Ohio State probably be number one. Um, they're doing real well on the trail, um, but I don't I don't think Notre Dame going to hang around now for much longer once some of the other big boys start pressing more and recruiting. More team more, – more team name news for the Washington football team as they as their team said they would not consider the Warriors as an option because they don't want the new name and logo to have linkage to the Native American Native American imagery. You you on board with the team thinking that way? No, I'm not on board with much of anything they have done ever in the Daniel Snyder era. Um, you know, it would it would stand to reason if you had a team name that we've been told is uh, is racist and offensive and just all the other buzzword labels that you would, you know, here, here's a name to me, the Warriors, that seems like it's a good name. You know, the Golden State Warriors, I don't think anybody's offended about that. Maybe it has a different connotation or something. But uh, it would seem to like celebrate, you know, Native American culture and whatever. And like, we came and do that. Now it's, you know, this, I don't know. Some kid over there is is traumatized over the name Warrior. So you know we we won't sell. We've we've been offensive to Native Americans for you know God knows a hundred years or however long they've been around, and now and we can't celebrate them. So we're just gonna leave them alone, and they don't know. They just just be the, they could be the football team for however many more years they want to. According to the new NF uh, new Pro Football Reference research, former Lions defensive end Al Bubba Baker is now the NFL single-season sack king with 23 sacks during his rookie season of 1978. Move on over, Michael Strahan. Drink, what's your reaction to this news? Um, I, yeah. So, what was this a typo or something? I don't <laughs> – I'm just confused what happened here. I guess they went and they went and uh, changed a, a reference. I guess they messed up some – perplexed with this i'm not gonna lie i'd like to know what what made them change this and what did what happened in the past that they didn't already know that he should have been the sack king in his rookie year in 1978 here we are in 2021 we just getting the book straight i i, I don't know that's it's a little little weird to me but i'm gonna leave that way as that the los angeles Angels made some news this week when they selected 20 pitches and 20 rounds of the MLB draft this week. What do you think of that strategy? No, I, I like it. You know, um, listen, they've the Angels have been they ain't sniffed the playoffs and feels like better part of a decade. And the big reason why is they they don't pitch particularly well. So, you know, it has um it brings to mind the the Carolina Panthers from last year. They drafted 
every single pick on the defensive side of the ball. I think it had a pretty good effect in Matt Rule's rookie year down there. So I don't know. Maybe Joe Madden was looking at that and saying, man, we can't pitch worth a lick. The offense is in good, a pretty decent shape. Sure. Get all, all pitchers and surely we'll, we'll hit on some of them. I, I like it. Free agent NFL cornerback Richard Sherman was arrested in Seattle this morning and is being investigated for burglary and domestic assault. Well, he is a free agent. Drink. Probably too much time on his hands. And if he keeps this crap up, he's going to have even more time on his hands. And I ain't talking about as a free man. Listen, I don't I don't know what, what happened and how Richard Sherman got tied up in this, um, but burglary and domestic assault is not what you want to hear when you're a public figure or a pro athlete or just in general. Like, listen, I, you, you said it best. Too much time on his hands. Clearly, somebody get Richard Sermon to do. Somebody sign him. Somebody, this, what is going on here? Like, but like I said, I don't, I don't know the full story, but I do know this: burglary and domestic assault and a denial of bail is not good. It's just not good for an NFL player. I hope it's not as serious as it sounds. I hope it's just a misunderstanding. But with that said, come on, man, somebody need to sign this guy and, and you know help him out, get him out of his own way. NBA assistant Wes Unsell Jr. and Darvin Ham has emerged as front runners for the Washington Wizards job opening. Your reaction? My reaction is I completely forgot that the Washington Wizards had still not hired a coach after parting ways with Scott Brooks. So I thought all the vacancies were filled with now Willie Green. You know, we assume he's going to get that job in Jamal Mosley. So uh, my reaction is we will have a reaction when they actually hire someone. The Athletic is reporting the Cleveland Cavaliers are making point guard Colin Sexton available via trade, and they also say the New York Knicks have been the most aggressive in inquiring about Sexton. Drink would acquiring Sexton make the Knicks real contenders. I think they need more, but it's a good start to being a real contender. I, I don't think Sexton is the answer to really get them over a first-round hump, um, but it's a good start. I like Colin Sexton. Get get him, you know, get him a team where he can actually be the no crap leader of the offense. You know, at least getting him set on offense. Um, and I think it's it's a I, I definitely think it's an upgrade for the Knicks. Regardless, I just don't know if it makes them the contenders that they want to be quite yet without some some more help. Last one, Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes made some waves at a celebrity golf tournament when someone told him, "Hey, watch out for Justin Herbert." And Holmes replied, yeah, I believe it when I see it. Of course, that clip went viral and Mahomes clarified his comments saying he had a ton of respect for her. Right. What did you make of all this, Jay? I think it's much to do about nothing as you or somebody says something that probably isn't that big of a deal. And now we have to go back and clarify things. And it's just, listen, he, he passed my Mahomes. He was absolutely right when he said, I believe when I see it. Because the, the real, the fact of the matter is, it, it is no disrespect to Justin Herbert. It's just he knows he's Patrick Mahomes. He's making $500 million because he's the best quarterback in football. He's not even sweating Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen or anybody. So, you know, I know Justin Herbert had a nice rookie season and all that, but uh, it's Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs. They're they going to be the best team in the AFC for, for years to come because they have the best quarterback. And that concludes today's Drink of Wisdom. As always, like, listen, share, subscribe, and thank you for joining us today. I'm Jay Wise. And I'm Nathan Drinker. And remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we going to do. We going to holler at you until next time, baby.